0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis chapter 11, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you may have heard the phrase before that history repeats itself. Which means that anything that happens in our world today has likely already happened before. And all we have to do is go back in time, read a book, and we'll find something the exact same, or something very similar to things that are happening now. Now, even though we're still going through the book of Genesis, we could jump ahead to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and find these words of wisdom applicable. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Because what has already happened will happen again. Thinking about your own life, do you ever feel that you end up struggling with the same temptations over and over and over again, which means that the sins that you are most likely to do are the same sins you've done before, multiple times in the past. That your history of sin and temptation just repeats itself. If so, then you're right at home in the story of the Tower of Babel. But if not, maybe you'll learn something about yourself today. What we see is that after the flood, the people of the earth, they all settled in the same region together. And there was one language in the world at this time. So it was very easy to communicate with one another, to hear and understand each other. This, of course, is, you know, if you are actually listening. Because, you know, sometimes in our relationships, we're tempted to ignore one another or tune one another out especially if it's not something we want to hear about. But the people here say, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now you can view this conversation here in a few different ways, but I'm going to focus on just two ways in how we can see history repeating itself already. The first way is that God's people, his created beings, are really good at disobeying the one commandment that God gives them. Now remember, this is before the Ten Commandments are given. And since Adam and Eve have been kicked out of the garden, the don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil doesn't really apply anymore. But the command that God did give to Noah and his sons was Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so, for the people to build a city and they are not dispersed over the whole earth, it could be seen as a direct rebellion against God's command to multiply and fill the earth. The second way that history repeats itself is this idea of making a name for yourself, or building a tower to the heavens. In other words, the temptation to be like God, which is how Satan tempted Eve. Eat the fruit, Eve, because when you eat it, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So it's like here, Satan said, if you build a tower to the heavens, you will be like God because he is in the heavens. And if you can build a tower up there, you will be just as famous and as popular as he is. In fact, they'll name entire cities after you. And as all the people are speaking one language, working together to build this tower, God comes down to earth to check out this city and the tower. What he sees here are people with one language, who are united in self-interest and pride. And he says that nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Which means that this rebellion against him would have no limits if the human race remained united together. So God had to do something about their sinfulness. And so rather than wiping most of the earth clean, and drawing only a few to a certain location, like an ark. He confuses their one language, so they can't communicate properly in order to finish this tower. And then as a result, they are scattered across the whole earth. And rather than naming the city after the people, the city is named Babel after what happened in that city. Because it was there that God confused their language, and they were dispersed across the whole world. The one thing they didn't want to happen is the one thing that actually did happen because of their sin. But it was the one thing that God wanted to happen. And in order to make it happen, he had to come down to earth and intervene. Now this is a very good moment to stop and make this connection. And it will come up again. God had to come down to earth and intervene at Babel because of the world's sinfulness. Many years later, Jesus has to come down to earth and intervene on behalf of the world's sinfulness. Because mankind was sinful and the only way to save them was to come down to earth, born of the virgin, being both fully God and fully man, live under the law, fulfill the law like only God can without giving in to sin and temptation and dying for the whole world and for all of their sin. And why did Jesus do this? Because he loves us and because he wants all of us to be saved. And he also wants us to not give in to temptation and to not sin. And the only way that we are able to overcome that is for him to overcome it for us. And then Jesus rises from the dead, overcoming death. And in that, giving us the promise that all who believe in him will live forever. Which is exactly why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. So that they would not eat from the tree of life and live forever. Because God has another plan to result in us living forever. That plan was Jesus. And Jesus' death and resurrection is the one thing, or at least one thing, that history does not repeat itself. Because the sacrifice was good enough once for all time and for all people. Yet, we here on this earth still live in temptation, still live with sin, And because for us history does repeat itself, the question we can ask in connection to the Tower of Babel is this What towers are we building? Are we building towers of our our own self interest and pride? Are we building selfish towers? Towers to make a name for ourselves, towers that we think will get us closer to God. Towers that we think will get us closer to heaven. To this, we can go to the Pharisee and the tax collector from our confession and absolution today. On the one hand, you have the Pharisee who has built this tower for himself. And you can imagine that this Pharisee, you know, he stands at the front of the church. So he's not Lutheran, obviously. And he says... God, look at me. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on everything. And if we were maybe to compare this to our world today, you know, we might say, you know, God, look at me. I do so many good things. I tithe on my gross income. I tithe on the money that I received on my birthday, which I don't claim. I donate to the poor. I take canned goods to food pantries. I give clothes to local shelters. I help those who are in need by doing things for them, like cutting their grass and cleaning out their gutters. And at church, I even signed up for snow shoveling this week. And I signed up for snacks next week. Now, that is not to say that any of these things are bad things. Tithing, helping the poor, those who are in need. Serving at church. These are all wonderful things. We need people to serve. But if this is what we build our life upon, it can easily become like the Pharisee. And what you may have intended to be something that was to give glory to God results in you giving glory to yourself. And then you end up saying, Well, I am definitely not a sinner like the rest of you. Like you. And you. And you. And definitely not you. My poo doesn't stink unlike all of you. It's all roses over here. Anyway, this isn't about you. This is about me and God. So God, let me continue to tell you how wonderful I am. Now, maybe you don't feel as shameless about yourself like that. Because maybe things don't always go your way. Maybe things never go your way. And this is what you build your life upon. Maybe you think that your tower is actually built upon your humility. When in reality, you have played the victim card far too often. And that is the tower that you have been constructing. Because there are some people that revel in the fact that they are always the victim. And maybe, maybe there are legitimate moments in your life where you have been the victim. Your husband cheated on you. Your parents abused you. But rather than dealing with the harm, that's been done, rather than asking God to help you with it, you use it as a tower. God, I cannot help it that people constantly hurt me, that they walk all over me. God, it is everybody else that causes damage to me. God, please let others feel sorry for me. Now, maybe you haven't been the victim like that. But maybe you end up like Adam and Eve. And you put the blame on everyone else. But yourself. In order to be the victim. And so nothing is ever your fault. It's all of the circumstances around you. And everything else that is bad that happens in your life is someone else's fault. And you end up building your tower on, God, ah, God, it is not my fault, really. It is my family circumstances, which, of course, you know what they are. It's that scumbag realtor who got me this crappy place, but you know, God? And this horrible boss—I mean, you know my boss is horrible, right? And God, you know what? I take those lemons, and I make lemon water out of it, because— You know, I don't have any sugar in my house right now, God, because my friend was supposed to pay me the money that they owed me, but they haven't yet, so I'm doing the best that I can, God. So maybe, I don't know, you could be nicer to me, have other people be nicer to me. Maybe you're none of those things. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Or maybe you're like the tax collector. You're way in the back. Because you know you need to be here, but you don't really feel like you deserve to be here. You certainly don't deserve to be up front, closer to God. And you certainly don't want to be seen by others. Because they'll know that you don't belong here. Because they'll know that you are a terrible, horrible sinner. And you realize it, and everybody else realizes it. And you know how bad your crap stinks. And nobody else wants to be a part of it. And so you can't even look up to heaven because you are so ashamed of your sins. And all you can muster is a weak... God be merciful to me, a sinner. God have mercy upon me. And the tax collector's tower... It wasn't even a tower at all. It was a hole in the ground. Because that's what he deserved. And he knew that he deserved death. And all he wanted was to have God deal with him mercifully. And here's the thing. If you are the tax collector... It's not something that you're going to divulge to others. Lest it become something for you to boast in how terrible you are. Look at me, everyone. I'm a terrible sinner. And you certainly don't want it to turn into something that is, I'm a terrible sinner, and I'm going to continue to sin so that God will forgive me. True repentance is being sorry for your sins, asking for that forgiveness and not wanting to do them again. It is a turning away from your sinful life. Wherever you are today, Jesus intervenes on your behalf. If we are building towers for ourselves, Christ may need to do something in our life to disrupt our language Our life, so that we realize the error of our ways, that we realize that we need Him. He may need to completely destroy our tower so that He can rebuild it from the foundation and place Himself as the cornerstone. In the Gospel reading, you heard Jesus talking about Himself as a hen and we as the chicks. In our sin, We are not willing to be gathered to Christ, to be gathered under his wings, under his shelter. We run away from him. But if we reject Christ, if we continue in our sin, there is only death for us. You think about chicks that run off and scurry off on their own. They cannot protect themselves. They'll get devoured by any predator there is. There is only death for us. There is only eternal death for us hell, condemnation, suffering, pain, punishment. Christ came to rescue us from all of this, to gather us as his people, as a hen gathers her brood. That's why Jesus died for us. That's why he rose for us to bring us forgiveness to bring us life, to bring us salvation, and to bring us together as his people. In Christ, our towers are built upon him, upon his death and his resurrection. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us build that foundation upon him, upon his word, and upon his sacraments, to gather us together as his brood, as his church to receive the means of grace that give forgiveness and salvation. And then he works in us so that we can serve because Christ has served us. That we can pick up a shovel in clear snow because Jesus picked us up out of our sin and death and he cleansed us with his blood and he washed us whiter than snow. That we can serve snacks after church because Jesus has served us with his body and blood in his supper for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. And it's not because we are worthy or deserving of him working in our life. He works in our life because he loves us. He has called us. He has chosen us. And he wants us to know him, to be loved by him, to receive his gifts of faith by grace. And through faith, we receive the gift of eternal life. And thus, the only tower that we build is a tower that features Christ as the cornerstone, the foundation, Christ as the walls that hold it together, and Christ is as the pinnacle. So that in us,